2: I'm in lovely Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Isn't that where you normally live or you live somewhere else?
0: So Vegas is my U.S. home, but 75% of the time I'm in southern Mexico, next to Guadalajara. Right.
2: Okay, cool. Now, the other thing I wanted to ask you was about your background. So tell us a little bit more about you and about your background.
0: Yeah, well, I started my careers off in the military right out of high school, where I was able to serve with the Marine Corps Special Operations. When I left my military time, I... I got lucky break, started with Apple, worked with Apple for many years, from Apple to Amazon. From Amazon, I started dual wielding my days because I had so much free time. And so I worked at Amazon during the nights. And then I'd work at a startup during the day. And then I abandoned Amazon to go work for startups in Santa Monica and LA, where I had opportunity to work with pharmaceutical startups and tech startups, found my way into healthcare proper air quotes. And so that was my last venture. I uh, worked at a chronic healthcare organization that focused on the elderly. And then I started a telehealth organization, which I recently stepped away from full time to let a, a new CEO run it. And then on a sabbatical, also in air quotes.
2: <laughs> so so you've left, you've actually transitioned from being a CEO for a healthcare organization called and you've gone now to go and do more of your own thing. Is that correct? Correct. I operate my own investment. Yeah, cool. I want to ask you a question around that because, well, I I work with a lot of execs and they look at what they're going to do next in their actual careers and their their career paths. And there's different areas they can take. For some of them, they're wanting to leave the large corporates or a a corporate role and then go out and do something into a startup. Or they might want to go and do their own thing, uh, whether it be a business or go out uh, contracting. But in other areas, as well as what I call a portfolio, they might want to go and do some investment into some uh, organizations. They might do a small amount of consulting, two or three directorships, but they sort of have a more of a different lifestyle because they may not work, you know, five days a week. It's a little bit less. What for you now transitioning from, say, that CEO role to go and doing your own investment business and so forth, what is that transition being like for you? Well, at first, it kind of felt like
0: I was doing something wrong or playing hooky. On mm-hmm. work. Even though I was very busy from day one, I've always been an investor, but not as my primary means of entertainment. <laughs> and so I felt weird at first because it wasn't the structured. I had this whole team director and executives waiting for me in these meetings. So it, it was odd. I felt misplaced. But now my, my day starts when I usually want to start. I focus on my my different part of my brain. So I'm learning music and language. Uh, I'm more analytical in mathematics. And so that's how my brain functions in a very organized way. But I'm trying to learn an additional language, trying to be fluent in uh, Spanish, as well as learn to play the guitar. And so when I'm not doing that, I do my investments.
2: Yeah, very good. And so also I wonder what it's like for some people, because it, some people want to go and do this, but that's holding them back or they're holding themselves, maybe fear and other things, the unknown, what would what would be your advice or what would be one or two things you might say to them about if they are thinking about transitioning to go and do something else, what what they should put in place or what they should be thinking about before they go and do it? You know,
0: security is important for everyone as a person with a family, you know, understanding what you can afford to do. It always it one of the biggest hurdles. But for me, it was more so I was, I realized one day that I was running on a treadmill chasing a carrot and the, the the life that I was seeking to have was standing next to the treadmill watching me. And once I realized that, I, oh, wait, I don't have to work. I've been smart enough to and made good enough decisions, made more good decisions than bad decisions at this point. And so I don't really need to show up every day and, and run a company. So at that, that point in time, I realized it was time to do something different, something more for myself and more for my family.
2: Yeah, sometimes I think it's actually sitting there right in front of us, right? Like you said, it was just sitting Mm -hmm. to the side of the treadmill, the life that's probably looking there, probably had its arms folded, shaking its head at you going, come (laughs) on, man, get off that treadmill and let's get on with it, right? Yes. um, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, very good. Now, what got you into leadership or how did you get into leadership? I just kind of fell into it. So
0: I've always had an issue standing off at the side and watching things be done certain ways when I know they can be done a certain way. Or watching things lack leadership. And so when I first joined the the military at 17, I was thrusted into a leadership role in charge of 63 people. And I had been there for a couple of days, a couple of nights and slept any of it. And then they're like, oh, this guy's running things. And so put me in charge of platoon. And then I was in charge of my entire basic. I was in charge of 63 folks. And then from there, I found myself in follow on schools where I fell into leadership roles and I just, it's always been that way. And I, I think it's more so where I have an idea of the way things should be done. And so I, and I have the gumption to, to say something about it and do something about it. So yeah. I just put myself in those positions.
2: Yeah. And do you have high expectations uh, of yourself and others when you've had that idea of, I know how things should be run? Yes, and so I have. No one expects
0: more out of me than myself, and so and that and that's his own uh, set of issues. <laughs> and I I think that yes, I have high expectations, but I also which plays a problem when you're not the person in charge. And and I have been a leadership challenge in my my days. However, I I learned once from a, a guy Ray Jarvis from Apple, one of my leaders there, where he said sometimes. Realizing when you're not the person with the answers is the most complex question. And so learning that in my life where I'm like, okay, I'm not the person who's going to lead this or going to answer these questions or these concerns or these voids. These That's difficult to. And for someone with my mentality. Hmm. And
2: then the next question is, who should be the person running this now? Yes. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And tell me, this, this person could be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? Oof. I think there's a lot of
0: people that really come in. I, I don't think one person. Sure, my son' his middle name is going to be Theodore from Theodore Roosevelt. So I'm a very big uh, fan of Theodore Roosevelt, and you know, I, I, one of his, my favorite quotes by him is "Success is the the success is the positive mindset we keep between failures." And so, you know, I'm a big Teddy Roosevelt fan, but also. On the, the charisma side, I'm an Obama fan, uh, I'm a big Ronald Reagan fan, and so it goes back into the ancient times. So I picked from the different characteristics. I don't think there's one perfect leader, but there's a lot of good examples.
2: And is there one common theme possibly through all of those three different names that you've just mentioned, and there's probably others as well, is there a common theme that you sort of admire about them? Yeah, I think
0: it comes down to more so how they behave and, and, and some of the most difficult Situations. You look at Theodore, you look at Obama, and you look at folks like Ronald Reagan. During their presidencies, they had very tough times, trying times, recessions, war, and the way that they kind of bear that burden and still maintained themselves as a calm leader, but also being human at the same time. It's, it's admirable.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Now, if you were to have a coffee, in other words, you and Theodore. Roosevelt is sitting on a bench, a park bench somewhere, having a coffee or whatever you want to drink. Would there be a question, what would be the one question you want to ask him? You know,
0: that would be, that'd be difficult. I have lots of questions, but if I, I sat there and I asked Theodore, what would be the thing that encouraged him in his darkest hours? So what's that one thing you look to when you fell beyond the period in which you thought you were going to fail Failed at things you succeed, you normally succeed at or just the dark moments. What gave you the strength of the internal, external to step back up, brush off your shoulders and go out and begin? Because mm. we all fail. We all fail. But it's like what makes us say, I'm going to endure this opportunity for failure one more time and get up and do it again and then fall down. So that'd be an interesting understanding of mindset.
2: Yeah, I think that's what John Wayne talks about, right? The courage is getting off the, falling off the horse, getting back on the saddle and doing it feeling the fear Mm. and just doing it anyhow. Yeah.
1: So I guess the quickest, like one minute version of it would be, I did a bunch of marketing gigs here and there, high school and college. And then about a year, year and a half before I was going to graduate, I started electric and then over the past, let's say three and a half, four years have just been scaling that company, which is a Shopify plus agency. So we. We're able to grow it to about 45 team members, primarily specializing in retention marketing, so email and SMS marketing, but also website design and development, really focused on like achieving the highest certifications within the industry, like ClaviO Elite, Tempted pioneer partner, and, and so on. And that led to our acquisition earlier this year in April by a beverage technology company called drinks.com. So the agency is still uh, running and we're still uh, working with all of our existing clients and and bringing on some new ones in the alcohol industry. But a lot of my day to day is now focused on the beverage technology side of things and our app with Shopify, enabling wineries and retailers to be able to ship direct consumer across
2: the United States. Nice. Very good. And electric, of course, was a leading or is a leading e-commerce agency, marketing agency, and sounds like a very exciting time. Now, what, what made you think about wanting to start electric? So. At the time, it really was
1: just me making some money so that I could go out and do things in in school. And I knew long-term that I wanted to start my own business. I was more so interested in entrepreneurship than I was necessarily marketing. It's not like I had this undying passion for starting a marketing agency. It was more about, I want to start my own business. What are some of the areas that I could potentially do that in? And it's sort of aligned because starting your own marketing agency is very low cost, especially in the early days. It's just you and you're selling your services. So we hit an inflection point around probably three months before graduation time, where it was sort of like, is this something that can support me and the team or is it not? Because if it's not, then I need to accept real job offers that I had. And if it is, then we're just going to go for it here. So I sort of fell into it a a little bit in that sense, but I knew I always wanted to do things entrepreneurial. And luckily, because of this, now I will be able to continue to pursue that.
2: So Yeah, great, great. And one of the reasons I got you onto the show is that the fact that you're a Gen Z entrepreneur and love to hear from your perspective around from a a Gen Z sort of, you know, age group generation. Mm -hmm. Love to hear from you about leadership and that as we go through today's questions as well. In our dialogue now, before we get underway, sport. Do you follow any sport? All, all the major say U.S. sports.
1: I, I'm a follower of. There's ones that I like more than others. Yeah, but I'm always checking Bleacher Report every day and uh, getting in my ESPN here and there. So I gravitate more towards basketball than anything because that's mm. what I played. But football, baseball, hockey. Even started to get into UFC a lot more. I, I just enjoy. Anything that has to do with competition and uh, anything like physical.
2: Yeah, yeah, good. And basketball, who's your favorite team? I'm a little bit, a little bit like broken
1: on that one because I moved to Miami. So now I'm going to go to the Heat games and I guess I'm supposed to be like a Heat fan. But I always, I grew up watching the Lakers, but I don't really like them being my favorite team because they're everybody's favorite team, it feels like. So I don't really know. I'm going to go with, I don't, I'd say I don't have one, but I definitely when like the playoffs are happening i'll pick a team and then i'll root for them and and go with them but i'm more of a enjoy enjoyment of the sport and not necessarily like super devoted to one team
2: nice well we just got news yesterday here in new zealand because stephen adams i don't know if you know that player but he's he's massive he's just been re-signed another contract with his team uh, another 45 million dollar contract it's pretty awesome and exciting for him well it might be $45 million, New Zealand dollars, maybe. Yeah. I think he's the
1: only, there's some interesting fact about him. Like he's he's not the only New Zealand professional basketball player, but from wherever he's from, he's the only one or something like that. There's, there's some interesting tidbit about him. That I
2: learned. Well, he comes from a sporting family, right? His sister was Olympic champion, gold medalist in shot put, which was really amazing, Valerie Adams. His other sister, and there's several kids and another sister in the Paralympics just won medal as well, the latest um, Paralympics and that, So pretty cool. Alrighty, let's get into the questions here a little bit more. So how did you get into leadership? It just
1: sort of fell into it because entrepreneurship naturally leads you there. It's almost a prerequisite requisite if you're going to be an entrepreneur that at some point you're going to need to have a leadership position and role unless maybe you bring on A different CEO, and and they're going to operate as that, and you focus more like internally on the product or something. But I mean, at some point, you're going to be a leader of other people if you are in entrepreneurship.
2: Yep. Now, were you, you said you fell into it that way, but were you in any other kind of leadership roles, you know, university, college, things like that? No.
1: So I really, really did not like the organizations or the clubs, not because there was anything wrong with them necessarily. It just wasn't real. So, that was always what sort of tied me up about some of these organizations is that you were in university and you were not in the real like in the real world actually doing it. And so I spend more m- my time focusing on the business than I did necessarily trying to take on leadership roles in, in school organizations or, or things like that. So
2: and did you do any like sort of to upscale yourself in the leadership side of things? Did you do reading? Did you do courses? Did you get a mentor coach around you? How did, how did you help, like, help yourself around that space?
1: Yeah, I mean, I had a couple of mentors who helped me along the way and even made me realize to begin with that I had this desire in me to explore the entrepreneurship path and then started reading a bit as well. Sort of fell off reading, but actually have reinvigorated myself to start reading like a book a week now, which I've been doing for about a month and a half and it's been really insightful. And I I don't like to... I don't like to read anything that is, I like to have things to take away. So going through, taking actual notes that I can then think about how can I implement this in my day to day life or how can I test this out at work to see if it could potentially be beneficial to me or the company or my team members. So I think mentorship is really important and also just a a desire to learn because I went through, I mean, everything I learned from actual tactical initiatives to more higher level like leadership stuff, a lot of it comes from just Google. I mean, if you have Mm. a question, the answers are out there and you, especially on the actual deliverable side of things with a marketing agency, you haven't done it until you've done it. And so there were a lot of things that were sold in the early days that I didn't it's not like I had five years of experience, 10 years of experience doing that, but all the information was out there to be able to make me an expert in whatever it was that we were trying to accomplish.
2: Yeah, it's interesting, you know, that we have those kind of things out there like Google and other things, YouTube, your videos, people yeah. sharing kind of information that we can go to and learn from. I just say to people, just be careful, making sure it's, it's quality. Information that you're going to get, right? So, otherwise, your sources, that your sources, yeah, um, absolutely, yeah. There's, there's some, there's some really interesting people out there, and so yeah, just make sure you do vet the the source that you're getting the and the resources that you were getting from, and you know the information that you're getting as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership Is
0: Changing with your host Dennis Gianutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast moving world.